All right. I want to draw your attention to Proverbs verse uh, chapter 13, verse 24. It says, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him be times. And this passage right here is one that, you know, a lot of people, they look at and they feel like, well, you know, I don't spank my kids, therefore, and I don't hate them. Because we often think that hatred is like just this feeling that we have. And sometimes it is that. But, you know, most of the time in the Bible when it talks about love or hate, it's in reference not so much to a feeling but actions. Whenever the Bible talks about the love of Jesus Christ, it typically talks about how he died for us. It specifically refers to his actions, and that was the ultimate act of love. And so often, too, when we see hating in the Bible, it's not just a feeling, but it's, it's action that is being done. And so here we see an example of a father not doing something. And if you are not doing something that is very crucial to the upbringing of a child, you are actually doing them harm. You're hurting them by not disciplining them. You are not helping your child by just letting them get away with things. And society is trying to tell you, you know, you've got to come up with these, you know, more psychological methods that the Bible does not describe and that have never worked. And, you know, we've got a whole generation of people uh, who have been brought up under this philosophy. And you know what we see them doing when they don't get their way? Burning down buildings, having protests, or seeing violence on the rise. We see in uh, communities today where fathers are not around, where there is not discipline, we see a lot of violence, typically, is what's going on. And so the, all's it's, you know, all's that this last generation has done ever since they decided to get rid of corporal punishment and thing is they've proved the Bible right. They proved that everything that the Bible said would happen if you don't obey God, it's going to happen just like God says. And so the truth is, I think there's a lot of people out there who they don't have negative feelings towards their children when they refuse to discipline them. But either way, no matter what feeling you have, you might have a warm, fuzzy feeling in your heart as you're letting them get away with things, but you're actually hurting them. You're actually, you are hating them. In an active sense, that's what the Bible says. And so the title of my message this morning is Deadbeat Dads. And we've all heard that phrase before, just deadbeat dads. And I think one of the worst things a father can do is fail to provide for the necessities of their children. You know, in the definition of a deadbeat dad, the modern definition, it's a father who owes money to his former wife to help raise their children, but does not pay it. So that's typically what will get somebody labeled the deadbeat dad, the guy who's behind on his child support. And, you know, and obviously that's bad, okay? You know, you know, men, you bring a child into the world, you need to take care of it. You're financially you're responsible. I don't care if you weren't married to the woman, okay? And these are things you need to teach your boys in case, you know, they ever see some girl. Just understand, they can get pregnant if they do that kind of thing. And they're responsible for that child. And... Uh, that woman is going to be in his life for a very long time, probably forever. So, you know, and that's kind of another subject for another day. But the truth is, in our government, you know, in our world today, you only kind of get labeled that if you're behind on your financial payments. And it's because in our world today, we think money answers all the problems. Our government thinks the solution to every problem is let's just put more money in a program. You know how we can fix the public schools? More money into the program. But, you know, a lot of times there's just a problem with the system itself. You know, the system needs to be reformed. The system is wrong. We're seeing our government spend a fortune in 
uh, a lot of these, you know, minority communities where there aren't fathers. And they're thinking if we have all these programs, if we have all these after school activities, if we build these rec centers, if we do this, if we do that, then we're going to solve the crime problem. And you know what we're just finding out is that you can't take place of mom and dad. The government cannot take their place. And, I, and there might be some people in our government that are well-meaning people that really do want to make a difference and really do want to help. But at the end of the day, what everyone needs, they need mom and dad. They need, the parent, they need some parents that will love them, parents that will raise them the way the Bible said. That's what's supposed to happen. And so what, we, uh, so what we've got to understand, though, is when it comes to provision, it's, there's more than just money. That it, take, it takes more than money to raise children successfully to provide the necessities, things that they really need. It's more than money. It's more than just food. It's more than clothing and shelter. And a lot of, and sadly today, a lot of men are successfully bringing children into the world. A lot of guys are going to be celebrating fathers today because pretty much all they've accomplished was getting a girl pregnant. But at the same time, they are failing when it comes to being there for their children fulfilling the obligations that a father has to a child. And, you know, it, and it's our society, they understand fatherless homes are at a great disadvantage. No matter how hard the feminists try to tell women, you don't need the man, no matter how hard they, they try to push that, no matter how many programs they do, the YWCA will never be able to do enough for a woman to take the place of a man. Okay? Now, understand too, okay, just because you're a man of the male gender doesn't mean you're a man, okay? So just let's mark that down. And people get, feminists get real offended when you say stuff like that because they can give you a whole bunch of examples of men that are pretty worthless. And I'm talking about a man who's actually fulfilling his role as a man. That, that's what I'm talking about. I get it. There are the deadbeats out there. There are the people who fail to fulfill their obligations. And, you know, and in our government today and in our world, so the only thing that they really force dads to do at all, and a lot of times they're not even successful at that, is getting them to just pay the child support. You know, because in their minds, hey, as long as he's doing the financial thing, we're okay. But boy, they need so much more than that, uh, than just money. And so basically, the deadbeat dad is someone refusing to fulfill his legal obligation as a father. But I don't want to talk so much about that today, because that's pretty much just financial. I want to talk about your biblical obligation as a father because I do. I think it's important for any man, if you're going to bring a child into the world, that you fulfill the obligations that you have, the, the things that God expects from you. If you are going to claim the title of father and dad, there, are some, there is so much more to do than just getting a woman pregnant. And, so, and, and, that, and typically today when we talk about father, that's pretty much all we mean. Somebody who got a woman pregnant. But that is, and while that is the first part of being a father, while it's a major part, it's not, it's not the only way. You know, and so a father needs to fulfill that role. And if you're not, if you're, just, if you're not doing these things, you know, I think we ought to put you in the deadbeat dad category. Because you need to understand how valuable those children are, just how much you are going to shape their life and their future we think, oh, I'm only going to have them for 18 years, and then after that, it's not my problem. I heard somebody just this week, I, 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 you know, I, I was in a place and I overheard a conversation going on, and the parents are just like, you know, 
I always thought, you know, to be 18 and this is not my problem anymore, but, you know, they're still living with me and I still have, you know, and they were talking about all the responsibilities they still have. And, you know, let me just give you a little secret, too, for, you know, helping you. If you're really anxious to get rid of your kids, then teach them to be responsible. You know, teach them to be hardworking. And then, you know what? When they turn 18, they'll be ready to go to go provide for themselves. And then you can get them out of your house as fast as you want. You know, and I think, and so people just think they're going to turn 18 to magically be responsible. No, there's a lot more to it. You know, there's a lot more to parenting than just keeping them alive until they're 18. And if you have little kids, it's sometimes hard just keeping them alive. (laughs) I mean, it's crazy, you know, how many things kids do every day. It almost kill themselves, it seems like. You know, we have eight children and, you know, sometimes I do. I just sit back and I just thank God they're all still alive <laughs> because lots of things happen and we all we definitely need God's protection. But what is a father according to the Bible? Well, I just want to quickly kind of go over this. First off, it is someone who begets someone, somebody who physically comes from you as a man in Hebrews 1, 5. It says, for unto which of the angels said he at any time, thou art my son this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And we know that Jesus Christ is the only begotten son of God. While God has many sons, Jesus Christ was special because he actually came forth from God. But then God went on also to say, and not only will I be, you know, you're my son this day have I begotten thee, but I will be a father to you. And you know, we see that God, he didn't just bring Jesus into the world, but you know, he watched over him. He provided for him. It's my opinion. That's why the wise men came and gave him those valuable gifts. I think that was just God providing for his son because God knew he was going to need, they were going to need to escape Israel and go to Egypt for a couple of years. He was going to have to leave his family, his inheritance, go over to Egypt. I think that was God providing for his son. That was God protecting his son. God did, you know, fulfilled his role as a father. He was there for him. We see also in the Bible, a father can be someone who starts a nation. In uh, Romans chapter 4, we're going to go back to Romans 4 in a little bit, but it refers to how God called Abraham a father of many nations. Why is that? Because Abraham started nations. We know Abraham, you know, he begat Isaac, he begat Ishmael. Two great nations came from those men. But not only was he the father of many nations, uh, physical nations, he's the father of those that are of faith. We'll, and so we'll say more about that in a little bit. We also see a father in the Bible as someone who invents something or starts something new. In Genesis chapter 4, in verse 20, it says, And Ada bare Jabal, he was the father of such as dwell in tents and of such as have cattle. So uh, the first farmer, Ada, if you're a farmer, you can kind of consider yourself a son of Ada. He, why? Because he started that. And if you're doing the same thing that he did, uh, then you can, you can kind of claim that. If you live in tents too, I guess, which we don't really have much of that in America, you could say you're a, a child of Ada. Just like ladies, you're a daughter of Sarah if you're submissive to your husbands. Uh, we see his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all, all such as Handel, the harp and organ. We've got you know, a descendant of Jubal. You know, we, you know, not physically speaking, you know, Brother Daniel, we can kind of put him in that category. He's a very musical guy that just can kind of take any instrument and you know, make music from it. Uh, I think those guys have something in common. But uh, uh, Jubal, he was the one that started all of that. The first musician, the first guy that said, you know what, we can take this thing and we can make beautiful sounds and it's very pleasant. And got something going there. And so 
Uh, we see also a father in the Bible as someone who leads someone to Christ. In 1 Tim- Timothy 1, 2, it says, Unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Timothy was somebody that not only I, Paul was probably instrumental in reaching, which, but also he, he trained him. You know, he mentored him. He helped him. He kind of helped raise him in his faith. And in fact, you know, it appears from the Bible that Timothy uh, came to salvation really through his mother and his grandmother, but it was kind of the Apostle Paul who raised him and, and mentored him and taught him how to be a good Christian. We see in Titus, it says to Titus, my own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. So we see there's, there's many ways to be a father in the Bible. And so while it's true that bringing a life into the world or starting something makes you a father, we need to understand, though, it's only the beginning. And so, yes, if you had a child, you, you became a father. But here's the question. Are you being a father? Are you doing that job? Are you fulfilling that responsibility? Because it is. It's very important. Second Corinthians six seventeen says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. And I believe when he's talking about being a father, it's more than just being begotten of him, but being uh, being taken care of, being watched over, nourished, cared for. And so God is not just someone who fathered us in the past sense, or as in he gave us, you know, just giving us life. He didn't just give us life, but he's still fathering us because he's always there for us. He provides for us. He watches over us. He takes care of us. He's fulfilling all of his responsibilities as a father right now. And it's important that we're doing that because a lot of men out there, they're technically fathers. They brought someone in the world, but they are not fulfilling the obligations. And if that's the case, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. If you're not doing what you're supposed to do. And so besides getting a woman pregnant, what does the Bible tell us that fathering involves? Well, in uh, turn over to Genesis chapter two and verse 24, it says, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Something about a father is the father. He is the one who is in authority. And here in the Bible, we're seeing that it, you know, it, it was God's will that for a man, when he leaves his father and mother, that he's married to a wife. Why is, he, why is he leaving father and mother? He's leaving that authority of his home, and he's starting his own home. He's starting his own family. And when you are a father of a home, you are an authority in that family. It is your responsibility to lead. That's your job. And, and you, this is someone who doesn't just have a title, but fulfills his obligations. You know, imagine if we just went and elected somebody as mayor of this town, and so he's mayor, but he doesn't do anything. He doesn't show up at the office. He doesn't pay attention to what's going on in town. He's not making decisions that need to be made. He's just kind of letting everything go. You know, we have a big problem there. But you know, uh, he, he's the mayor. But you know what? It's more than just having a title. It's actually doing a job. It's doing a work. I mean, what if I did that as a pastor? If you know, I'm the pastor of the church, but I'm just not doing anything. I don't show up for church half the time. I don't let you know what's going on. 
you know, nobody has any idea what's going on with the bills. All of a sudden, the lights are getting turned out. Somebody's asking me, hey, you know, why do we get our electricity turned off here? What's, what's going on? I don't know. You know, you know we're we not paying the bills. Oh, who keeps who keeps track of that? You know, who, you know, I, I I have no idea what's going on. I went to a church like that one time when uh, I didn't I, I wasn't attending there, but when I had a job doing estimates, um, I got there and the pastor met up with me. He had no idea what was going on. The deacons just kind of ran everything in this church. He came out of his house wearing a, he's the one I talk about wearing the kiss T-shirt. He had wearing a kiss t-shirt looked like he just rolled out of bed had no idea what was going on with the building we had to wait for the deacon to get there so he could let me know what all was going on he wasn't making the decision he didn't even know i was coming and i'm just i was just kind of scratching my head this is weird you know you're you should be you should know what's going on and you know it's like that in a lot of homes today dads have no idea what's going on in their home they have no idea what their kids are doing they have no idea who their daughter's dating. They have no idea what kind of things their kids are involved in. They've got all these kids. They even live in their home, but they have no idea what's going on. That's, folks, that's not good. You need to know what's going on in your house. You need to actually lead in your home. And a lot of times, too, people get mad because it's the mom making all the decisions. And a lot of times, if you want to find out what's going on, you do. You've got to talk to mom. And I'm not down on mom for stepping up and, you know, fulfilling these things when dad's not doing it i'm not mad at her but you know it should be dad taking care of these things and that is that is a very common thing in fact when i was doing that job i was i was involved in sales then and i remember i i went to a training thing on uh you know for that company on sales and everything and one of the things that they told us they said anytime you're going to give an estimate always do everything you can to make sure the wife is there and they, and they said, because, you know, she is most of the time the decision maker. And that's just the way it is. It's not the way it's supposed to be, but it's pretty much just the way it is today. And they're like, if you want to have a better chance of selling that job, you've got to sell it to the wife. And, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking this is kind of foreign to me. It's, that, well, it's not how it was in my home. You know, you know, in my house now and how it was growing up, but it's the way our world is today. And a lot of times the man has no idea what's going on. That's not right. And, you know, and, it, and here's the thing, men, if you just decide, I'm just going to let things run their course. I'm not even going to try anything. What's probably going to happen is it's probably going to fall apart. And if it falls apart, you've got to take responsibility. Now, listen, I get it. We live in a wicked world today. There's a lot of obstacles that we've got to deal with. We've got a lot of things working against us. But are we going to be a part of this generation that just makes excuses or are we going to overcome? Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you're going to raise a good family today, if you're going to, if you're going to have a marriage that makes it, you're, you've got obstacles you've got to overcome. It's not just going to happen. And you've got to understand there's a host of things working against you. And are we going to let those things mess our families up or are we going to overcome those things? Because it's your responsibility to keep that family together. And sometimes marriages do. Sometimes they fall apart. And I'm not trying to say that, you know, the wife doesn't have, you know, obviously both people are involved, but men, you've got to be the ones to take the bigger chunk of the responsibility and do everything you can. We do have a messed up society where divorce is very easy. Women can divorce their husbands for pretty much anything. 
We've got to realize that. You've got to figure out how to take care of that woman. You've got to figure out how to keep her happy. I'm not telling you you make, you, know, you make her the boss and just do what she says. You know what? That doesn't make them happy. You know, and you know, proof that just letting women, you know, run the show doesn't make them happy. Just go to Walmart and listen to those women who are bossing their husbands around. Do they sound like happy women? Do they look like happy women as they're leading their man around on a leash? None of them are happy. It, it doesn't work. It's the guy who gives up that's just like, oh, I'm just going to do whatever she says. That's not... That's not what she wants. And a lot of times the reason they're going crazy and nagging and all that kind of stuff is they're scared. They're insecure because you're just not doing anything. And so there's a lot of men that are like that. You know, why can't you just listen to me while I do nothing? She's probably not going to do that. You know, and so again, we love to blame the women for everything, but it's Father's Day. Man, you're getting blamed today, all right? And it is. It's it's mostly the man's fault. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.26, says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. And I'm telling you right now, I, you know, obviously, again, everybody's got their own unique situation. But I believe divorce rates would plummet if men cherished their wife. If men love their wife the way Christ loved the church. Okay? You know, we like to talk about all the Jezebels and things that are out there. But you know, you know why we have Jezebels? Because we have Ahabs. That's why. And a lot of times you've got men that just, they're, you're the one in the lead. Okay? And we've got we've to start having that attitude, the buck stops here. You know, wouldn't that be nice if our president would have that attitude again instead of blaming Russia for all of our problems? Why are we letting another country mess up everything in this country? That's, that's lame. That's weak. That's not right. And men, why are you going to let someone else mess up everything in your family? Why don't you lead? Why don't you take responsibility? Why, are, are you really going to let our bad laws in this country give you an excuse to let your family fall apart? Are you going to let just the moral decline of our society give you an excuse to just let your kids become evil and wicked? You know what I plan on doing? I plan on figuring out a way to overcome that. And we do. We've got this stuff working against us. We've got all the propaganda from the news media. We've got all the junk that's coming out of Hollywood that's working against us, that's trying to undermine everything we do. But you know what? I'm going to overcome it. You know what I'm going to do? We have censorship in our house. You know, we're not going to let those things come across our screen. There are certain people, man, we've got all kinds of rules and regulations. You know, there are certain people that we're not going to even let come on our property. Certain types of people we're not going to let come on our property. They're not going to be allowed to come into our house. They're not going to be, they're not, they're not going to be friends with our children. You know, we have a say in those things. You know what, because these, we understand these things will mess everything up. There's certain music we're not going to let be played in our house. There's certain types of books and things that are not going to be read in our house. Why are we doing these things? Because we understand there are people out there trying to undermine the authority of the Father. They are trying to undermine what we're trying to do as Christians. That one of the things I'm not going to do too, because is I, you know, I value my kids so much and that they turn out right, I'm not going to allow the government to have the responsibility of educating my children. 
And you know, and it's a lot of work homeschooling, especially for the moms. It's a huge, it's a huge job. But let me tell you something. If you, if you turn that over to them, they're going to undermine everything we stand for and everything we do. So you know what? We've, we've bypassed those things. We've, I've taken the responsibility for those things because they can't have my kids. Okay. They, they can't have them. And so one of the worst things that you can do to your children is to let the marriage fail or to just live stuck in a horrible marriage. What are you teaching your kids about marriage if it's just a horrible place? If your home is a war zone, yeah, you're staying together, but it's just constant warfare. It's constant misery. It's a constant nightmare. You cannot do that. And I believe one of the reasons marriages look down on so much today is because many lived in a home where it was a miserable thing. You can't do that. You know what you need to do as a father? You need to show them what it's like. You need to show them a good marriage. You've got to set the example. You have to be the authority. You have to be the lead. And you cannot let society and just the ways of this world guide what you do in your home. And let me tell you, I was raised in a home where we heard this thing all the time. We don't care what everybody else does. We tried that argument with my parents. All the other kids... Dads, let them do this. We tried that. It never worked. My dad would just say, you know, I'm not their dad. Their parents aren't your parents. I'm your dad. We're not doing that. And you know what? That's what you've got to do. You know what he did? It's like, I'm the authority of this home. I'm not the authority of that home. But I am the authority of this home. And what I can control, I'm going to control. You know why? Because it was his responsibility. He understood our kids was his responsibility. I talked to him this morning and he was just kind of joking, but I kind of liked it. But he was talking about basically he's the greatest dad ever because he has the greatest kids ever. It's like, that's good. You know, I, I, I posted that on social media that, you know, my dad's better than your dad uh, or was a more successful dad than your dad. And I'm the proof <laughs> of it. And so I kind of I kind of stole that from him. But you know what? We do need to have that attitude that if your kids are going to turn out good, it's your responsibility. Their success is your success. Their failure is your failure. And let me tell you something. I'm not following the lead of a society that is failing miserably. And if we do what they do, we're going to turn out what they turn out. I don't want to do that. And so I am the authority of my home. And, you know, we're going to follow the rules. Like, well, what about what if the government says this? What if society says that? Well, then they put put spy cameras in our house because, you know, I'm not going to tell them what we do. And it's, it's none of their business. It's my business. They're my kids. And so, uh, men, it's our job to make sure things work. Find a way to make it happen. Find a way to make your wife happy. You're supposed to make her happy. You're supposed to love her. You're supposed to cherish her. And most men today, you know, here's the thing, too, for you men. Most guys today are so pathetic. It should be, it's actually pretty easy to look good today. It really is. It's, it's pretty easy to look good today because the bar is getting set so low. If you would just obey half of the Bible, you'd probably look like a superstar husband <laughs> to, compared to the rest of society. So it's, it, it shouldn't be that hard, but you know, you got to make it happen. You need to make sure you never allow anything to happen, you know, to where your kids won't be under your authority. And that's the thing too. I, I cannot imagine having a judge tell me when I could see my kids. I can't, I can't imagine that. And then, you know, and if the judge gives 
my wife, you know, full custody or whatever, I can sit around and I can talk about that wicked judge, that wicked reprobate judge, you know, that feminist judge. Yeah, it happened to be a woman judge, and so of course she sided with my wife. And then I can act like society, now my kids are all going to turn into garbage now, and it's all because of that wicked judge. No, why did you even have to be in that situation? And I get it, it happens sometimes. We've got to take responsibility for it and say, you know what, I can't let that happen. I can't, put, I can't ever let my kids be in that position. And you've got to understand, folks, that can happen today. This is the world we live in. Guys, single guys, keep that in mind. That girl that you asked to marry you, you need to make sure she's the right kind of woman because she can. She can change her mind at any time she wants in that marriage. You better hope it's a godly woman. You better hope it's a woman that loves the Lord and has the same goals that you do because she has the potential to completely sabotage it. So you better take that into consideration before you go marry some woman just because you like the way she looks. You need, to, you need to care very much about who she is in her heart because she's going to bear your children and it's your responsibility as a dad if you bring children in the world that you raise them right. Is this the kind of woman that's going to help you do that? You better pay attention to her. Is this a woman who has no respect for her father? Is this a woman, is, is this a girl who never respected his authority? If she never respected his authority, what makes you think she's going to respect your authority? You better look at things like that. Because otherwise, and that happens too. Some guy, you know, he'll go and he'll marry some girl. She's disrespectful to her dad. She doesn't follow his authority. But he thinks for some reason it's going to be different with her or with him. And then they get married. Later, she doesn't like what he does. She wants to get divorced. And then now your kids are in this situation. I don't want that ever happening to me or to my kids. And so that's why... It's very important you marry the right kind of woman. You don't want that happening. It's your job to make sure it doesn't happen. All right, you young single guys, you want to have kids someday. It's your responsibility to make sure that kind of thing never happens to your kids. So you better marry a godly woman and you better be a godly man yourself. You better be somebody that has some character and you better be thinking about, you know what? I want to find a woman that I can love, that I can cherish, that I can please, that I can make happy instead of having this idea of I want a woman that'll please me, that'll make me happy, and give me everything I want. And unfortunately today, a lot of men, they just have, they have no respect for women, and a lot of times their minds have already been warped. Here's another, just another side advice thing too. You know, watch out, get involved with guys whose minds are warped by pornography and stuff. They, men like that see women as an object to bring them pleasure instead of seeing a wife as a woman that they are to love and that they are to treasure and that they are to bring pleasure to. That's, that's the mentality they have from that stuff. And just under, understand, you get involved with a guy like that, ladies, uh, you're, you're probably going to have problems. And guys, you get involved in that stuff, you're going to have a tough time being the right kind of man. You're going to have a really hard time naturally fulfilling the obligations. You, you still might be able to do it, but it's going to be a battle for you. It's going to be hard, so you better keep your mind and your heart pure. Stay away from that stuff. But a, a, a father is someone who's an authority. He's someone who leads. Jeremiah 31.9 says, They shall come with weeping and with supplication, and with supplications will I lead them. I will cause them to walk by the rivers of waters in a straight way, wherein they shall not stumble. For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. He's like, I'm going to take them in a way where they're not going to stumble. I'm going to... I'm going to take them on a path that they can survive. One that will be as easy as possible for them. 
And a lot of times men are so irresponsible. They're so reckless in how they live their lives and how they raise their families. Their kids hardly have a chance of surviving in that household. I mean, you might have the best intentions, but at the same time, if you're not careful, you know, if you, if you're constantly making bad decisions and doing foolish, irrational things, chances are your kids are going to get messed up. Chances are they're going to stumble and they're going to fall. And God said, I'm going to be a father and I'm going to, I'm going to lead you on good paths. I'm going to lead you where you're not going to stumble because God was worried about the outcome. God, you know, he's capable of anything. He's capable of surviving anything. You know, men, we're often adventurous. We're ready for the challenges. But hey, is your wife ready? Are your kids ready for this? Are they going to be able to handle that? You need to think about this stuff. You, know, you need to take these things into consideration. You know, sometimes, you know, you just get tired of people and you just get fed up with folks. It's like, you know what? I'd enjoy just living in a cabin in the wilderness somewhere, just living off the land. I could handle it. Okay. But can your wife? Can your kids handle that? You know and understand, oh, I'm the leader of the home. I, I know. And you're supposed to lead, and you're supposed to lead in something that they can survive, something that they can handle. Can they handle that? And if, if you need to make sure you know, you're, you're able to take care of them, and it shouldn't be a nightmare. Every day for your family shouldn't be a fight for physical survival. That's, that's not what it should be. You should do what you can to keep them safe, to keep them comfortable, to keep them happy. That is your responsibility. And so you need to actually be leading them somewhere, you know, to a place where they will be taken care of, where they will be provided for. And many men today, they have no goals. They have no real plan. They have no destination in their mind for their families. And you know what? If you don't know where you're going, there is no telling where you're going to end up. You've got to know. You know, imagine just, so we're going to go on vacation. You have no sense of direction. You have no GPS. You have no maps. You just start driving. You know, and I get it. We've got signs and everything today. That might help a little bit, but you know, you've got to have a plan when it comes to life. You've got to have some kind of goal, some kind of destination. Uh, Bible says in Ephesians 6, 4, and you fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You know, I want children that are going to love the Lord. I want children that are going to keep serving him. And I've got to make sure I show them how that's done. I've got to make sure it's something that they want to do. A lot of times we have this attitude, well, just go to church, go to church, go to church. Well, you know, we can make our kids go to church. It's not, you know, it, I, I'm so tired of people who are good at, you know, getting little kids to behave but have no ability to do anything with teenagers. They have no ability to do anything with young adults. And you know why? It's because all they know is spank, you know, corporal punishment, things like that. that that's all, but you know what they don't know how to do is they don't know how to teach. They don't know how to inspire. They don't know how to just educate on the things of God. They don't know how to do that. And folks, that's so important when it comes to raising your kids. You've got to do these things. And it's not just going to naturally happen. Okay? You're not just going to spank your son and then all of a sudden he knows Bible verses about how to live life. You're going to have to actually open the Bible and show him what the Bible says about these things. You know, you are not going to, if your children are making bad choices, you are not going to spank them hard enough to where they're just all of a sudden going to love God. You know, you've got to, you, you know, you've got to show them how to love God. You've got to let, you know, make sure they've got a relationship with God. And so you've got to be someone, a father of someone who teaches by word and example. First Thessalonians 2.10 says, Ye are witnesses 
and God also, how holy and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe, as ye know, and we exhorted in comfort and charged every one of you, as a father doth his children. He, they set the example, and not only they set the example, they gave verbal instruction, they charged them, they commanded them, as a father does his children, that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. God's got a plan for you. God's got something for you. And not only have we set the example for what to do, we've also told you what to do too. And a lot of times people, you know, fathers, they're telling their children what to do, but they're not showing them how to do it. You need to do both. And Paul said, we've done it like a father does his children. And so obviously being a father is more than just bringing them into the world. I referenced this passage in Sunday school, Genesis 18, verse 17. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. So we see Abraham was somebody who started two nations physically, but he also started a nation spiritually. And God chose Abraham because God said, I know he'll command his children in my ways. He will do what I want him to do. He will lead. He will set. And, and he did. He didn't just lead by work. He set the example. And we see, and, and we're not going to take time to go through Romans 4, but Abraham is the father of those who are of faith not just because he believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Abraham got saved, like the rest of us, by faith, without works. But Abraham also showed the greatest example of faith by being willing to offer up his son Isaac. When he showed that great faith, when he set that great example, God saw his faith when God told him, I'm going to multiply your seed as the stars of heaven. And he believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. God saw his faith then, but you know what? Everyone else saw his faith when he was willing to offer up his son, Isaac. And so not only as Christians are we supposed to just get saved, but we're also be, supposed to be a people of faith. We're supposed to live by faith every day, not to maintain our salvation, but to do great things for God. And so Abraham, he did. He set that example. He showed how it was done. And fathers, we've got to do that. We've got to set the example on how to have a happy marriage, on how to be a responsible individual, how to be a leader, somebody who pays their bills on time, somebody who fulfills their obligations, somebody who's a, a decent member of society. Your kids shouldn't see you getting locked up all the time. They shouldn't see that kind of thing. You ought to be somebody who is actually a good, productive member of society. You go to work every day. You get up early. You work hard. You, know, you do things even when it's hard, when you're sick and you don't feel like it. You're not making excuses for every little thing. They've got to see that. But what do we have today? You know what we have today? We've got a whole generation of people that feel like they should get mental health days because they're stressed out because their you know, favorite ball team lost the game last night. Well, you know, where does that come from? Fatherless homes? You know, I mean, when I was growing up, my dad just made me tough through everything. You know, walk, you know, I mean, how many of you heard stuff like walk it off? You know what my dad used to always tell me all the time? You know, he never had those Ward Cleaver moments where he'd just sit down, you'd have the sappy music playing, and he'd tell me it was all his fault. You know, you know, when I would get hurt, you know what my dad would tell me? It, he'd always say, it'll feel better when it stops hurting. My dad, he said that all the time. Anytime you get hurt, it'll feel better when it stops hurting. It was true. 
<laughs> but it didn't make me feel better. You know, and th- that, but that's what I heard. And, you know, it was basically his way of just telling me, toughen up. No sympathy here. And, you know, it will feel better when it stops hurting. I did. I, I finally learned, you know, it does feel better when it stops hurting. And basically, I think that was his not so Ward Cleaverish way of saying this too will come to pass. You know, this 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 was going to end. You know, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. There were so many more inspirational things he could have said, you know, but uh, that, that's the way he said it. But he got the job done. He got through. But a father is somebody who disciplines, who corrects. We already talked about he that spareth his rod, uh, rod hateth the son. It also says in Proverbs 3.12, For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. You know, I often wonder, and I scratch my head when I see the things young people are doing. So again, when I see some of the girls, the, the guys that they date, my question is always, where's the father? You know, when you see some of the things, some of the hairdos the guys are getting, when the guys start painting their nails, when they start, you know, wearing dresses, my question, where's the father? You know, what's going how is that okay? You know, and I was just listening to a pastor, you know, yesterday talking about how, you know, if his boys would do anything girly, all the stuff he would do with them and how he'd get on them and punish them for it. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, amen. I used to do the same thing. My boys, if they would do anything girly when they were little, I'd make them start doing push-ups. All the time they did something girly, I'd make them drop and give me 20. Why? I didn't, I'm not raising girly men. They didn't, they weren't being raised and if I, you know, my wife never made them. That was never her idea to do push-ups. Women don't think of stuff like that. You know, men do, and, and that's why you need that. They they need to be they need to be tough, and so uh, you know you need to be an authority over your children because if you don't discipline them, one of these days somebody else is going to step in and do it because those problems are going to get bigger and bigger, and one of these days they're going to be throwing such a fit that nobody's going to know what to do and the cops are going to show up. And the cops, you know, people think spanking is so bad. Well, let me ask you, right now, I'm grown men, myself included, what would you rather have right now? A good old-fashioned spanking with a paddle or to have a cop throw you to the ground, handcuff you, throw you in the back of a car and go spend the night in jail? Give me the spanking every time. Okay, how many of you ever had a problem on your job application or they asked you, have you ever been spanked? They don't ask that, do they? And it doesn't affect your job. But you know what they ask? Criminal record all the time. That'll affect the kind of job you can get all the time. And you know, a lot of people today, their parents were so, you know, they were so woke. They were so in tune with all the modern ways of doing anything. They never spanked their kids. But you know what? Their kids can't get a job because they've got felonies and misdemeanors and all these things in their record. And nobody wants to hire them. And the truth is, if they'd have just given them a good old-fashioned spanking, then you know what? The, the pain would have gone away real fast. It would have felt better as soon as it quit hurting. And then, you know what? When they would have filled out that application, nope, never had any of those things. And then the employer could look, all right, this looks like a responsible person. This age, haven't been in jail or anything yet. Let's give this guy a chance. But no, you, you've been told that's abusive. But... Police brutality, you know, is fine. And, and, you know, getting handcuffed 
It's fine. I mean, think about it. Listen, you know, don't go tying your kids up. I've never had to tie my kids up or anything like that. I don't even like when parents put their kids on leashes. Okay. You know, I, I, I always refuse. I remember seeing those leashes with kids and I just thought, I'm not putting my kid on a leash. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to train him better than that, than, than to put him on a leash. But, you know, you, you've got people who get all offended because they, you put a kid on a leash, but they don't have a problem with handcuffs. Amen. Adults. That's what's going to happen if you do not discipline those kids. Eventually, a man in a badge is going to throw them on the ground, going to handcuff them, throw them in the back of a squad car. They're going to get a criminal record. That's not good. So if you fail to fulfill your obligations, someone's going to step in and take your authority. And if somebody comes and takes your authority, it's your fault. Okay? It, it, it's your fault. And let me tell you, there are a lot of people today, they're sitting around acting like victims because they've got people telling them what to do with their kids, when they can see their kids, how they, how they can do everything with their kids. And they act like the government's, it's all the government's bad. You know, the gov- it's the government's fault. All these things are going on. But wait a minute. There's a lot of men today that don't have the government messing with them at all. That they are making decisions for their children. They are actually leading their homes. And so we've just got to understand, yes, our government's wicked. Yes, our government's dangerous. Yes, there's a lot of wicked judges and they get a lot of decisions wrong. But because I understand how dangerous our world is and how dangerous our government is, you know what it does to me? It makes me try even harder to make sure I do things the way the Bible says so I never need those people. So those people will never need to step in. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make sure I'm educating my kids. I'm not going to have kids that are so dumb that one of these days somebody's going to come and like check up on us because they find out my 13-year-old doesn't know how to read. We do, you do too much of that kind of stuff, somebody's going to come check on you. I don't want them checking on me. Well, what do you have to hide? Nothing. I just don't want, I don't want these people in my life. They have no right to be in my life. But you know what? I don't have any right to just neglect my kids and to set them up for failure in life. I need to make sure I'm raising them right. And so the last thing, just real quick, uh, you know, a father is someone who truly cares and comforts them too. Psalms 103.13 says, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. You know, you need to truly care and be concerned about their feelings, their emotions, their, their needs, their physical needs. Job, in Job chapter 29, verse 16, he says, I was a father to the poor. And what does that mean? Did it mean he was creating, making poor people? No. He says, and the cause which I knew not, I searched out. In other words, he was taking care of the needs of, of the poor. He was providing needs. He was being a help and comfort to people that were going through hard times. And dads, that's your responsibility. I don't want the government providing for the needs of my children because if the government provides for the needs of my children, then they're going to make the decisions on what my children need. I want to make the decisions on what my children need because we have different priorities. I have different priorities than the government does. So I've got to make sure I'm getting that done. I've got to make sure that their needs are being taken care of. And so they are. They're mine to take care of until they're out of my house. And I want to make sure when they leave my house that they are set up for success. Because even after your children leave your house, your job's not really done. You showed them how to be an adult, a husband, a father, and hopefully a Christian. But you know what? I also want to show my kids someday how to be a grandfather. I want to show them how to fulfill my marriage obligations. I want to show them how to take this marriage thing all the way to death. That's what I want. I want to show them. You need to show, you need to show them how to be faithful to the end. 
And you know what? I want to show my children how to die. You know, we shouldn't start something we don't plan on finishing. I am thankful for my, my grandpa on my mom's side. He showed me how to die. He really did. He, I, I, we went and saw him last time I saw him. He was in the hospital. Uh, he was having major heart problems, but his, he was all there mentally. He knew what was going on. And he was very well aware of the fact that he was about to leave this world. And he was as relaxed and at peace and was talking like nothing is wrong. He lived a good, full, happy life. He was stayed married to the same woman for I forgot how many years until until she died, and he he was ready to go see her. He he wanted to he wanted to go see Grandma. He's like, you know, I'm ready to go. He physically he's he's in bad shape. He he knew he wasn't coming back from it. He knew where he was going, and the peace that he had at his death it made it so easy for the rest of us, the family. While we were going to miss him, we were we could at least be happy for him. Because we knew where he was, you know, we knew he was ready to go, and so all we had to do was just kind of let him go. And it, his funeral, uh, you know, while tears were shed, you know, we, it was it was sad and happy at the same time. And I and I am I'm thankful that he showed me how to die. And you know what? I want to show my kids that too because it's coming for them too one of these days. Our job, it's never really done. And so and it's an important job and one we need to take serious. And let's not fail to give them what they need. I want to provide everything for my children. I don't want to be that deadbeat. I don't want to be that deadbeat dad. And so with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray that this message was helped every father in here. Lord, even to uh, the young men who are not fathers yet, I pray that they'll remember these things and they will uh, take these things all into consideration. Lord, it is a dangerous world. It's, it's, it's dangerous getting married these days. Lord, there's a lot of uh, you know, wicked people, a lot of ladies that are not being taught right, and uh, there's a lot of things culturally wrong in our society, Lord. The laws are not right. There's, there's so many things working against us, but Lord, I believe we can overcome all these things if we stay close to you, if we, uh, if we lead uh, like you, you've commanded, and I pray you'll help us not to make excuses, but just figure out how to overcome so we can have a good, happy, successful families. In your name we pray, amen.